Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Good Wednesday morning. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, presented by Progressive Insurance. And it will be a very good weekend for the one team in the AFC and the NFC, when it comes right down to it, that will get the playoff bye. Remember this year, for the first time in 30 years, the NFL changed up their playoff format. Only the top seed gets the bye. I think we all kind of feel like Kansas City can win anywhere. But in the NFC, it was New Orleans during that nine-game winning streak that was sitting atop the conference. And then they lose over the weekend. The Packers win. Aaron Rodgers and company have the top seed at the moment. So we're asking you this morning on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed, who needs that top seed more, Green Bay or New Orleans? It's Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin coming to you live from the Seaport District at Pier 17, brought to you by Chase. We wait to see your opinion. Here's A-Rod's opinion on just that. It's important for sure uh, to get that extra week of rest. The big thing, though, you know, and you guys know this, and we've played in, I believe, four NFC Championship games, all four on the road. So being able to, to have the whole thing come through Green Bay is something that we've talked about for a long time. We've, we've wanted and we've never had. So that would be, I think that would definitely be in our favor with the weather that we have in Green Bay. You know, play at home, be on our schedule. You know, so that's obviously in play. It was always in play, but it's definitely in play now. Fair enough. They may not be fans, but there will be weather. And whether or not a warm weather team wants to go to Green Bay, Orchard Park, New York, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, that could be the intrinsic home field advantage that people aren't talking about because there are no fans at most games this year. Again, we want your opinion. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Who needs it more, the dome-bound Saints or the wide-open frozen tundra Green Bay Packers? Again, the early returns right now going with the Saints, but would love to hear from you, Key J and Z on Twitter. Fellas, answer the question yourself, who needs it more, and then a very interesting statistic about why Green Bay really, really needs it. Well, for me, you know, I, I just I look at the, the weather factor, having played in that stadium, been there when it's been freezing cold to the point where the grass was like ice, it was frozen. And so when you take a warm weather team or a team out of their environment inside of a dome and you travel to that type of place, fans or no fans, that cold is brutal. And I know people will say, oh, well, the Green Bay Packers, they've got to play in it too. Yes, that is true. They do have to play in it, but they're used to it. They understand how to play in frigid cold conditions where a lot of other teams from warm weather, they don't have to. Think about think about it for a minute, Zubin and Jay. Tom Brady just said that he will never visit the Northeast again or live in the Northeast full-time. Never. So what does that tell you? He hated playing in New England in the cold. He loved it because it helped him win. But in the end, he as soon as it got warm somewhere, he got out of there. And this is what you will see from players that they would have to go up against. Key, that's why I think it has to be the Saints. It has to be a quarterback who is 41 years old and Drew Brees, who has 11 fractured ribs. You don't want to be going to Green Bay in that frigid weather to be playing against the Packers. You do not. And by the way, why you need that bye is at this stage of your career, who knows how long, how much longer Drew Brees has left to play in this game. But you need as much rest as possible 
to make sure that your throwing condition is at its pinnacle in order to help your team win a Super Bowl. And I don't know how he's going to come off those ribs. I know he had a throwing session this past week, and uh, obviously we're going to see what happens against the Chiefs. But I, still, it, the, the more time I can buy Drew Brees if I'm Sean Payton, I'm trying to do that. And that means we have to win this damn thing. There's no question about the Saints can benefit from the rest as well as playing at home. The reason Green Bay needs it, though, is because if you get them teams in – I want to get to the Super Bowls the easiest path possible. And if that means that that a team comes and they're free, they freeze their ass off, then that's what it's going to be. I mean, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get them. You know, because, look, think about it, though, Jay. Why wouldn't I want to have a team come in freezing cold? They're thinking about it as they're flying to Milwaukee or flying into Green Bay. They're thinking about it. It's in their mind, man, it's going to be cold. They're, they got to stay at the hotel. They can't even go outside the hotel to go on a walk. All of those sort of things where if you in New Orleans or you in Tampa Bay or you in L.A., you can go outside, you can go leave your hotel, take a stroll around the block, enjoy the weather, look up at the sky. Not in Green Bay. You're going to stay stuck in that room, and it's going to be miserable. Indeed. Let me mention Key, what's the thing. most challenging aspect of playing in the cold, man? What's the most challenging aspect of it? The cold. That is what it is. It's cold, man. You look, like, think are about catching it. the ball. What it's, is it? It's all, man, the ball feels like somebody's throwing bricks at you at 20 miles an hour. Whenever you take a look at those guys that's playing in, and I'm not talking about the New York cold at Giant Stadium and MetLife. Not that cold. That's different. It's almost warm playing there compared to Green Bay. When you look up, and you see the receivers standing out there lined up and their hands are in hand warmers and not ready to run routes, that tells you something. And you'll see that. Yeah, you're going to see some tough dudes run around with no sleeves on. Man, they ass is cold. Don't don't buy into that. They freezing. <laughs> we, we got some callers. We got some tweets. We're going to get to them in just one second. But to Key's point, whether it's the old Giant Stadium, which Key knows well, or MetLife Stadium, it was the wind that was the killer there. It wasn't the cold It was the win. Quick little history lesson on why this is so important or why Packer fans may wince a little bit. Look, look, look. You see him sitting on the bench. (laughs) (laughs) That's key right now in real life. He's he's cold right now. He's in Connecticut. Wait till he sees what happens tomorrow with the precip. One thing I want to mention, Key, I'm sure you'll remember this. And again, we'll get to the fellas and the ladies on the uh, Dr. Pepper Twitter question. Who needs it more, Saints or Packers with regards to the top seed? Key, you remember this for sure. January 2003, some young kid named Michael Vick walks into Lambeau Field where the Green Bay Packers in the glorious history of their franchise had never, ever lost a playoff game. They started playing the NFL postseason in 1933. The Packers were 13-0, 11-0 at Lambeau, 2-0 in Milwaukee. They even won the coldest game in NFL history at Lambeau on New Year's Eve in 1967. They were said to be unbeatable at the frozen tundra. And then a 22-year-old kid walked in, threw lasers all over the field, ran for 64 yards, which, believe it or not, back in the day was a ton for a quarterback, not so much anymore, and the longest playoff winning streak, home winning streak in NFL history out could, the hey, gate zoom came it. to an end. Remember that? It, it could happen. The Giants went in there and won. It could happen, but mm-hmm. I don't want to go there to play. I don't want to do that. I'd rather be in the warm weather playing my game. I don't want to be in Green Bay, man. You remember Coughlin's red cheeks in that game? You remember Come how on, red man. his cheeks were? Exactly. 
if that if there was such a thing as a meme back then, that would have been a meme. So we're asking the Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin Nation on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed, which one needs to buy more, Packers or Saints? As Key said, give me the easiest possible path, the easiest possible path, obviously playing one less game. 56% of you have said the Saints, TC underscore Hughes at TC underscore Hughes. Hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. Quote, I almost think Green Bay is fine if it's on the road. They're better off mm. throwing the ball and aren't a physical team. I think frigid games in the frozen tundra may actually work against them. You heard Rogers say all their NFC championship games have been on the road. Let's head to the Shell Pennzoil performance line. You heard Key mention Tom Brady never getting out of South Florida and going back up to the Northeast where he spent 20 years. Let's check in with one of Tom's teammates, Levante David, who played every single game of his NFL career with the team that drafted him in the second round about eight years ago, the Tampa Bay Bucks, two-time All-Pro, Pro Bowler as well. He's with us on the Shell Pennzoil performance line brought to you by Shell V Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline. So uh, first things first, I'm just connecting the dots here, Levante. So I'm thinking, all right, Bucks stud. He wants to be on the show because one of the three guys on this show was a Bucks stud. <laughs> but instead, apparently... You wanted to come on the show, not for Key, the Super Bowl champion in Tampa, but our national champion, Jay Williams. Explain yourself. Jay Williams, yeah, man. I grew up watching Jay Williams when he was at Duke, one of my favorite players. I uh, got introduced to him by uh, one of my, my oldest brother. He's a Duke fan. And uh, when I first started watching Duke, he was there to point and guard running the show. And I became a fan ever since. And uh, that's why I'm uh, uh, a big fan of Duke, because of him. LD, you're allowed to come on the show whenever you want. You keep spitting that real knowledge, and I got to sit there and watch Keyshawn and cringe. I love it. I love it. So that means I get the chance to kick out the first question then, Zubin. This never happens. So let me, let me ask you this, Levante. Like, you guys came out the bye week. You guys beat another playoff contender in the Vikings. Mm-hmm. How important was that win for, you, for your franchise? Uh, it was very important. Very important to get where we want to go. Uh, going against uh, the Minnesota team, who was pretty hot, pretty good football team. With uh, you know, they got Dalvin Cook, and their passing game was was uh, really clicking at the time, at the moment. But uh, we was able to uh, you know settle in, uh, get a, a key win, key victory for us, the NFC uh, conference win. And uh, we got three other games that we're trying to get. But um, today, you know, obviously we got to take it one game, at a t- one game at a time, one day at a time. So we was able to get over that obstacle, now we could uh, move forward and uh, set ourselves up in good position. Devontae, y'all struggled a little bit, been struggling a little bit on the defensive side. The defense specifically got back mm-hmm. on track against the Vikings. Mm-hmm. What did you guys have mm-hmm. to fix to get back on track? Oh, we just had to settle, settle down. Uh, guys were, you know, overthinking things and uh, not, you know, doing stuff that we usually do. So we just got back, basically got back to playing regular fundamental football. I just uh, communicating, over-communicating, and uh, getting back to what we used to doing. And uh, that's what the game plan was against uh, Minnesota. We was able to do that. And uh, once everybody just settled down and we get back to doing stuff that we're comfortable with, uh, everything uh, everything goes good. So that's just something that we're going to continue to try to do and not try to do too much and just uh, put guys in position to make plays. And uh, we was able to do that this past Sunday. Jameis Winston gone, Tom Brady in. What's the biggest difference this season having Tom? Uh, the biggest difference is just, you know, the caliber of the, the person he is. You know, uh, just understanding that you're on the field with Tom Brady, so he, he demands excellence out of you. So 
when you out there and then when you see him walking around in the locker room, you you want to play hard for a guy like that just just because, you know, the type of winning pedigree that he has and you want to get what he has. You know, he got six Super Bowl rings and you obviously want to get one yourself. So you got a guy like that who knows the formula. You try to follow that formula. You want to try to go out there and just play hard for him, play hard with him. And uh, all, he, all he wants is just wants you to do it, just play your hardest, and uh, that's what we try to do. Levante, both Key and I have been around a lot of locker rooms. Uh, we know how to chatter ha- mm-hmm. sometimes happens when coaches openly are critical of players. How have you guys internally mm-hmm. been handling Bruce Arians when he openly to the public has been critical of your quarterback and other players on the team? Well, I mean, when B.A. first hired, that was one of the things that uh, that was brought to my attention. You know, I mean, he's a guy who's not going to sugarcoat nothing. He's a guy who's going to be straightforward with you, and he's going to put it out there. And uh, you know, I, I, I witnessed that. I witnessed that last year when we had a situation on our team, and uh, he put it out there. And uh, and, and, and uh, you know, everybody wasn't. I mean, we was a little shocked, but that's just something that that they they warned us about. So. When, uh, when that thing was going on with him and Tom, you know, it was just something that that's something that they have to hash out. That's something that they had to hash out, and uh, us as a team, we just got to get through it. Uh, but at the same time, you know, it's all we know, it's all comes from the heart. It ain't nothing, you know, to just bash people. He's just doing it to get get people to uh, to play better. When you look at it, man, y'all got three winnable games left on the schedule before mm-hmm. you try and enter into this postseason. Two of the Falcons, which is yep. are in the division, which are always tough opponents for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, mm-hmm. and then the Lions. What do you guys have to do to carry some momentum, momentum into those three games to get into the playoffs? Uh, we got to stay the course. We got to stay the course. I mean, today, so today we basically, you know, went over the, what we want to do. Well, our game plan just going over our opponent. And, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the Falcons is a really fo- fo- really good football team, even though their record says otherwise, but they're a really good football team since uh, Raheem taking over. Those guys are playing real hard. They've been playing, you know, fundamentally sound football. Just a couple bad players here and there, but they're a really good football team. They uh playing games that they could have won. So um, real tight games of that. So we just we just got to be on part of, on point and do what we do. We can't uh you know, we can't slap, we can't look ahead. We just got to be able to you know take care of each opponent one game at a time. And this week is the Atlanta Falcons, like you said, a division opponent, which is always going to be tough. A team who's like hungry, and I'm sure they you know destined to try to knock us off that path that we're trying to get to. So we just got to be able to stay the course and uh, worry about what we what we got to do. And uh, be able to end that, end that Sunday with a, with a win. LD, do you guys feel like you guys have hit your stride? It's like when you look at all the talent, all the weapons on both the mm-hmm. defensive end, defensive side of the ball, and offense. It seems like it hasn't fully meshed yet. Do you guys think you're close mm-hmm. to it meshing to electrify and become the team you guys know you guys can be? Yeah, I, I still think we're pretty close. I still think we're pretty close. You get, I mean, it's been inconsistent at times, obviously, but. It's, it's some really good flashes, some really good flashes. But you know, this past week, I feel like we put a good, a good four quarters together as a football team. But still, some little things there here and there that definitely that that need to get fixed. But at the at uh, at the end of the day, you know, it's towards the end of the year, you're gonna get what you get from teams. And uh, you know, us, we just trying to, you know, just still trying to trying to be high power and just still trying to dominate every time we go out there. Let me ask you this, man, and be honest with me. Don't be playing them J Will yep. games. Uh, you know you got you you know you got an opportunity to be the first team to play in the home stadium for the Super Bowl. Is that 
has that yeah. been a thought in your mind? Not not the team specifically, mm-hmm. but your mind mm-hmm. this course of doing the season? Yeah. Actually, it's true. It, it ran across my mind the other day when I was driving by the stadium. And I was like, damn, we're playing, we playing the Super Bowl there. And we got a chance to get in the playoffs to be able to play the Super Bowl here. So it definitely crossed my mind. Uh, it'll be uh, a, a historic moment, you know, just not for city of Tampa, for for me. You know, just being being able to play in the Super Bowl game in my in our home stadium, that'd be real big. But like 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 I said earlier, man, we just gotta take it one day at a time. I just can't can't jump out there and go out there first. We just gotta get in the tournament first to be able to play for the Super Bowl. So, uh, but to answer your question, it does, it, has, it has crossed my mind because of the legendary moment that it'll have. And Levante, excuse me, last thing for you. You were selected as the Buccaneers nomination for the Art Rooney Sportsmanship Award. Each team is one player nominated. The Art Rooney Sportsmanship Mm -hmm. Award recognizes players who exemplify outstanding sportsmanship on the field. For those wondering, it was created in 2014-2015 in honor of the late founding owner of the Steelers and the Mm -hmm. Pro Football Hall of Famer Art Rooney Sr. Considering his legacy in the league, the Rooney rule, all of those things, what does that honor to be nominated mean to you? I mean, obviously, when you play the game of football, especially when you make it to the league, everybody knows who the Rooney's are, you know, the type of family they are. And to have an award and be able to receive an award in their honor is real, is real big. It's a real big deal. So, I mean, obviously, I take real great pride in it, especially, you know, the sportsmanship of the game, playing the game the right way, keeping the integrity of the game, to keep, you know, just keep trying to, you know, play the game the right way and keep, um, being an example for the people who follows, but just being able to receive an award to and 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 a Rooney family's honor would be a, would be a great privilege of mine. And that's something that I would definitely take pride in, and definitely um, you know it'll be a, a huge blessing to be able to um, to receive that. You know, I think I would just tell you it's apropos that you're on with us this morning, and you are the representative from the Bucks because it's going to be a panel of former NFL players, including the Bucks legend mm-hmm. Warwick Dunn, along with Curtis Martin and Carl Mecklenburg, Leonard Wheeler. They're going to pare yeah. this thing down from 32 to eight, four in the AFC and four in the NFC. Certainly wish you the best of luck moving. Now, hold on, man. What, what hey, hold hold what on, Zubin. What you got? What's, what's wrong with them corn huskers, man? Oh, what's he wrong? went to what's Nebraska. Wrong? What's wrong we're with y'all, man? Here. Went to Nebraska. Wow. Huh? wow. Why you got to take shots, Key? Well, I ain't taking shots. <laughs> we turn around. We're going to be back. We're going to be back. Trust me. I know I'm from Nebraska, so I just wanted to ask you, what's wrong with them Cornhuskers? <laughs> We're going to be back, man. It, it takes a little while. It takes a little while to, you know, get everybody settled in and stuff like that, especially, you know, with everything going on this year especially in college football with uh, COVID and stuff like that. But you're going to turn around next year. We're going to be back. For okay, sure. I, I see you making I excuses. Those, I'm going to leave you alone. No, no, no. I trust those guys down there, man. They got, some, they got some players. They got some coaches. So they definitely going to be back. Yeah, we should mention you're up for the Art Rooney Sportsmanship Award, but you should win the uh, Diplomatic Award for the way you answered that question and weaved around Keyshawn's broadside there. So <laughs> congratulations for that. Exactly. Best of luck. And exactly. hopefully we'll see you in Super Bowl 55 in your own stadium. Best of luck this weekend against Atlanta. Thanks. Go get it, man. Go get it. Yes, Good sir, luck, LD. Appreciate it, fellas. Thank you. Key in our last no, minute, I love the fact in J2, for all these guys, you know, there's an old athlete adage. I've covered you guys. You guys played the game. There's the old adage. The less I say, the less I have to apologize for. Key, I loved it when you straight asked him, have you thought about playing the Super Bowl at Raven James Stadium? And 99 guys out of 100 or 54 out of the 55 guys on the team would say, no, no, we're just focused on Atlanta. We're focused on the Falcons. He was honest. I loved it. Yeah, you, 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 you know, you want to get the real opinions, right? That's that's one thing about our show is 
we want to get the facts. We want it to be real. We want it to be 100. And at the end, he's he's comfortable enough to really tell the truth and not play the, the game. I mean, we all think about something, right? When you It's like, have you been thinking about getting to the Super Bowl? Of course. Have you been thinking about the playoffs? Of course. Have you been thinking about your contract? Uh, Yeah. I mean, that's just that's the reality of it. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. Every day, you think, you think, you think Giannis, you think Giannis over the last year and a half or whenever it's been, he wasn't thinking about that two hundred and something million dollars. <laughs> you damn right he was. And Zubin, I could, and I can tell you this, Zubin Routh, as soon as he signed that contract, I guarantee he was like, now I got to win a damn chip. I have to win a chip. Right on to the next one. No question about it. We'll see what happens. Speaking of the chip, the four teams with the opportunity to win the chip in college football will be announced Sunday. But the latest rankings last night raise some eyebrows. College football's top analyst is next. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really... Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know, that's the voice of Freddie Coleman with his instant reaction after the rankings came out last night on ESPN, as they do every Tuesday night. We'll get the most important one Sunday at noon Eastern, as I mentioned. And that's where I want to start with Kirk Herbstreet, of course, our top college football analyst, college game day on ESPN for more than a quarter century appointment viewing every single Saturday in the fall. Kirk, you heard Freddie's opinion. Twitter was going nuts. What was your reaction to the Gators falling just one spot from six to seven after an inexplicable loss against LSU? Morning, guys. Yeah, morning, I think, I think uh, Good morning, I think Kirk. That's the challenge of this of this whole subjective um, ranking every year. You know, it'd be like college hoops. Let, let, let's say Duke uh, has or Kansas has been a dominant team. They're they're, they're thirty four and three near the end of the year and they they get tripped up by georgia tech in the acc championship and and what does that do in march madness ranking in in a field of 68 it doesn't literally probably nothing right they didn't win the acc uh tournament but they're still everyone looks at them still they're probably a one seed and away we go in, in college basketball in college football florida has been you know since they lost to a&m they have been as dominant as anybody in the country and then they have a really a game that nobody can understand or explain at home against the LSU team that's been awful all year. And it is college football and things happen. But I'm with you guys. I mean, the, a loss like that should definitely impact where Florida went. For them to lose that game and a team that's against LSU, even though there's some talent on that roster, and only drop one spot, I, I think – it makes a lot of people on many levels, you know, Ohio state five and other, there's just so many things with, with this global pandemic and COVID and college football that people are kind of scratching their head with the rankings they have every year. 
but I think this year it's, it's even brought more things to light. And um, I think it's inevitable, guys. We College football, it, it's a great sport. You know, we all love it. There's a lot of energy around it. But our postseason is, is as bad as there is. Mm-hmm. And we have got to figure out a system that opens up opportunities um, that, that, like right now, let's just say the season ends January 12th. I can already tell you, 2021, Ohio State's coming out of the Big Ten, <laughs> Clemson's coming out of the ACC, Alabama's coming out of the SEC. In 2021, I can tell you 2023, Ohio State's coming out of the Big Ten, <laughs> Clemson's coming out of the ACC, Alabama's coming out. It's like, who's the fourth team? Is Oklahoma going to come out of the, of the Big 12? Maybe Keys boys out of USC get it together. Maybe maybe USC like it's, it, that's where we are. Is that is that right? Is that healthy for the sport when ninety eight or ninety nine percent of the participants realize they don't have a chance before the season starts? That that we've got to look at this twenty twenty year and realize we have to tweak the system. For the betterment of the sport, or we're, we're, we're at a, a fork in the road right now on a lot of levels, and we've got to look at some some potential changes. I, I'll take the heat on this one, though, Kirk, because I think that the committee is lazy. I think that they're taking a lazy approach and just much like you're saying, oh, one, two, three, we already know who they are going to be. Oh, well, let's just find a 14. Okay, we'll put them in there because they got one loss. But let me ask you this, though. Who should be – the fourth team in the final ranking if Notre Dame beats Clemson? Well, if, 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 if first of all, with, with Ohio State, imagine being Ryan Day. I mean, Ryan Day, when Big Ten announced that they were not going to play, Ryan Day was as vocal as anybody in the country about his team and his players wanting to play. This is when the Big Ten shut it down and the other three conferences in the Power Five were going to go forward. He was furious. And so Ohio State... If at five and zero, potentially if they win Saturday at six and zero, you know there are a lot of people that are upset. They don't have enough data points, but I think most people who watch the game objectively would say, yeah, they're clearly one of the top four teams in the country. And so that's where you get you get into a tough spot. Like if Clemson were six and zero or Alabama were six and zero, they'd be put in the same situation. I'm not saying it's fair. I'm saying that's the reality of of where we are. Um, if Notre Dame beats Clemson. Then the discussion becomes, and Dabo Sweeney would say his team, Clemson, still needs to be in the discussion, even with two losses. A&M would be in the discussion. Uh, they have Tennessee this weekend. And then you would, I think, have an Iowa State, an Oklahoma uh, team that would be in the discussion. They play in the Big 12 championship. Everyone's just assuming if Iowa State wins, they would be potentially a, a candidate that would step in there. There are a lot of A&M people that are saying, don't forget about us. Cincinnati, I mean, we could sit here and say, you know, hey, they're down there and they've got Tulsa. I don't think there's a, a chance because of the opponent and where they are sitting currently at nine that they would have a chance to slip up there. So I think it would be, under your scenario, either Clemson would be in the discussion, A&M, or uh, potentially Iowa State in a long shot. I think Oklahoma's playing as well as anybody in the country right now. I know they have the two losses. But uh, I, if they beat Iowa State and look good doing it, you know, they, they, being a Big 12 champ, they could potentially be in the uh, in the debate as well. Kirk, so so a two-loss college football team, whether it's Iowa State, Oklahoma, uh, 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 Florida, or, or any of these teams with two losses go in front of an undefeated team that wins their conference 
no matter what you may think about the conference as a whole, because as I've always said, you've covered this stuff for as long as I can remember. Every single conference has dogs. There's a couple big boys and everybody else are dogs. They get left out of the conversation. I just don't understand it. Yeah, I mean, that's what I was saying earlier. I mean, it's, it's you know, whether it's been UCF over the years, going back to the BCS, it was, and you remember this, it was Boise State. Uh, there was always that team that was kind of knocking on the door to try to get in there. Um, we, we've seen, you know, different teams that have been in the group of five that have always been trying to get in the discussion. And I think in some cases had a much stronger case than, than even Cincinnati. Cincinnati's played well. They've looked good. Obviously, they've been canceled the last few weeks. We haven't seen them play, it seems like, in, in a month, uh, which has hurt them. But I, I, I'm with you. I hear what you're saying. Um, but if you put Cincinnati in be, just because not, they're not even Cincinnati, not even Cincinnati though, Kirby. I'm talking about like USC. They win their conference and they're six and zero, and you just act like that they don't even exist. No, I don't. I don't think people are acting like they don't exist. I think what's happened to USC is what's happened to the Pac-12. And I don't. You watch our shows. You know that I, I try to stand up for the Pac-12. Since 2014, the Pac-12 has had, I think it's two teams in. Oregon in the first year in 2014, and then Washington got in one year and they played Alabama. And things uh, have not gone well for the Pac-12 top to bottom. So I think what's happened to the Pac-12, and this is sad too, within a system, we're losing Pac-12 fans because the Pac-12 is on the outside, much like the group of five before the season starts in a normal year let alone a pandemic where they didn't start until late October. So think about, you know, the USC, for example, that, that's at least a brand. Imagine if it were, I don't know, a Stanford or an Arizona State. They'd really have no chance. At least USC's being t- talked about. Uh, they beat Arizona State in a close game. They, they just do enough to get by Arizona. You know, that, that's what I think. If they, if they went out with a small schedule, like Ohio State, they've got a, a very, very small schedule and a very few data points with five games. But their game control is like number two in the country. So it's, it's like they're winning, and they're, they're, you come, when you watch them, you kind of walk away going, damn, they, they're, they're a really good team. With USC starting on the outside looking in, I'm with you, man. They, they look, their offense looks good. They look like they're getting better on, on the defensive side of the ball. They find ways to win games, which to me – is an incredible attribute. Um, and that's what sucks about this. Last night we're trying to dissect USC and take away why they don't rank high as Ohio State, and yet they're undefeated. You know, it's, it's, uh, that's the tough part about you know, the, uh, the system that we currently have is, is trying to take away from teams that in their locker room and in their meeting rooms, they should be celebrating. This is a team that's overcome a lot of things to be sitting here at 5-0, and they got Oregon on Saturday or on Friday to go 6-0 if they win that game. I don't think, honestly, Key, I don't think they have a shot to get up there. Uh, I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying right now they're, they're not in the discussion at all. Yep. Kirk, that, that's why, look, I've been saying this for a while. I don't like preseason rankings. I really think we shouldn't rank teams until a couple of weeks into the season actually see where they, where they actually pan out. A lot of these teams are already staked in from the beginning, but – I've seen the NBA do this throughout the course of a pandemic, and I'm wondering why college football playoff uh, committee dropped the ball here. Why not expand the college football playoffs for this year? If there was a year to do it, Kirk, why would it not be this year with so many teams that you're questioning whether they belong in the conversation or not? 
Well, I, I think what we're, you know, like I brought up earlier, we'd love to see an expansion. And, and I, I don't know if that's pie in the sky. Um, I, I just trying to talk reality, like what you're su- suggesting. Here, here's what, what I think has become very clear. I, I know the Knights Commission talked about the, the Power Five potentially branching out, creating their own governing body, and cr- pretty much creating their only, own rules. I think the only way we ever get to what you're, you're uh, uh, talking about and I'm talking about is eventually the Power Five will have to branch out and just kind of do their own thing. Um, you know, the, the, we need one voice right now. Right now we have five voices along with other conference commissioners. And so you've got a lot of people that are concerned about their backyard. You know, Pac-12 commissioner is concerned about his constituents. SEC commissioner is concerned about his president, his fans, his coaches, his players, and they should be. Big Ten, same thing. ACC, Big Ten. Everyone's looking at, at, at this, the, the, the entire country through the lens of their conference. I don't know how we get anywhere collectively when everybody is looking at it through their lens of their region. We need one voice that looks at this sport universally and listens to all the regions, understands the regions, appreciates the, the regions, and then as the czar, as the kind of the guy that's in charge, the commissioner of college athletics says, here's what we're going to do for the betterment of the sport. We're going to do this, and we're going to press forward. And you might frustrate some people, but at least it would be one voice. And I think right now we just have so many voices at the table that it's hard to really move forward. And I think you would throw ESPN, ABC, you know, Disney at the table because, you know, we, we televise these games. And so we're at the table. We have our thoughts. We have our concerns. And so when you throw all of that up into one bowl and mix that up, it's, I think it's very, very challenging to say, if there's ever been a year to expand, this is the year. Okay, Jay, I love it. Who's, who's going to make that declaration? Who's going to make that decision? If one guy brings that up in that meeting room, you got you got ten other people that are going to look at you like no no I mean you so that's what I'm saying is we have to have want we have to get to a point now in the NCAA Mark Emmert they have nothing to do with anything and so hmm. I think the Power Five needs to break off they need to find a guy that becomes the leader for the the entire new governing body and then you can maybe start to get some things done the way the NFL does the way the NBA does. The way you move on the fly under extreme circumstances. But right now it's impossible to do that with so many different voices and so many concerns about their own uh, fans and their own presidents. You just, it's, 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 it's not something that's as simple as sitting around on a radio show and, and saying, man, they, they need to do this because it's just not practical. That breaking away has been talked about for years. It seems inevitable, but to hear somebody with Herbie's voice and power to say it still is very jarring. Again, you can check out Kirk on the Herbie Pollock and the Gandhi podcast. We started by talking about Florida, and Kirk was super hot on the crazy ending in that game. You can find it, <clears throat> excuse me, anywhere you get podcasts. I'm getting very emotional of it. LSU, living by the sword, Florida, dying by the shoe. Kirk, thanks for joining us. Thanks a lot, Kirk. Hey, you, you got to take care, fellas. Thanks, Have a great weekend. Zubin, you know there's a bottle of water on your table. <laughs> I know. I didn't speak for like 15 minutes. I could have taken one just, swig in that time. Just, just <laughs> grab it. <laughs> on the way, the Cowboys, 
better chance to get a top five pick than make the playoffs. How do you fix them and their biggest issue? Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. On Jay Will Zubin, presented by Progressive Insurance. The Cowboys need a very progressive offseason to shake out of their slumber. Again, four wins tied with Carolina and Atlanta for fewest in the NFC. And they certainly have more than a few problems. This is Mike Greenberg on his show, of course, Greeny, which you can hear every weekday afternoon right now on ESPN Radio, 12 to 2 and on ESPN+. Plus. A lot of people are pinpointing the real issue for the Cowboys. Is it their head coach? Is it their defensive coordinator? Is it not having Dak Prescott? All of those seem like the biggest reasons they are struggling. Greeny went somewhere else, though. You know what problem Dallas has? Dallas has a Zeke Elliott problem. Zeke Elliott has been awful. And you can say it's the offensive line. And you can say it's the play calling. And you can say it's losing the quarterback. And all those things are legit. But when the chips are down, aren't your your best players, your most valuable players, the one you flew down to Cabo to bring up and give all this money to, your highest paid players, aren't they supposed to be the ones who carry you from the abyss? That's a whole lot of money. And another cautionary tale. You pay the running back at your own peril. And in this case, I think it has worked out very, very badly. Now, as they need, in my opinion, to hit the total plunger, hit the reset button. One of the things they got to figure out a way to do is get out from under their running back's contract. Interesting to note, just for purposes of context, equal time for Ezekiel Elliott. He's ran for 832 yards, has five touchdowns, a 1,000-yard season, is not out of range for sure. But I understand what Greeny's saying. But key, I mean, I just think the coaching staff, the D.C., the lack of a quarterback, Van Der Esch, Lee, all these guys that are hurt, I think all of those are far bigger issues than Ezekiel Elliott. No, there's no question about it. I think when you when you look at it, this football team has been just completely decimated with injuries on the lonely offensive line. When they flew down to Cabo and decided to pay – Ezekiel Elliott, that offensive line was intact. The quarterback was there. I mean, when you start to think about when they made these moves, they didn't forecast seeing their offensive line completely reshaped. They had no idea that that Prescott would break his ankle and be out. And so 
when you look at it, it's very hard for a guy like Ezekiel Elliott to carry the football when everybody in the stadium knows that he's getting the football with that offensive line blocking for him. I don't care who you are. I mean, you know, Jim Brown couldn't run behind that offensive line. I mean, that's the reality of it. And I think because you are the high-priced guy and make all the money and you've struggled this year, you're an easy target. That's just – that's what it is. What do you think, Jay? You're back. Uh, I just feel like I don't understand why we're even talking about Dallas Cowboys key. I know that Ezekiel Elliott's one of the highest-paid running backs there is. But like Zubin just said, there, there are other things that this team has to worry about. And this team traditionally has had offensive lines that have been stout. They've been on top of their game. I mean, that's all I heard Tony Romo talk about for a long time, right? So now to have your quarterback, now having defensive issues, is that we're just throwing shade at everybody on the team? I mean, the fact of the matter is this team is a shell of themselves. They have issues. But those issues aren't going to be addressed until we see everybody fully healthy and probably a non-COVID year next year, and then we get a chance to evaluate that team. But I'm not just going to throw all the shade towards Ezekiel Elliott. Think about it. Lyle Collins injured, offensive tackle. Tyron Smith injured. Dak Prescott injured. I mean, it's crazy. On the way, Giannis got paid. Odds to win the East? Not as good as you think. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can hear the show live weekdays at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, or wherever you stream your audio.